It's Nostalgia Pod. I got your questions and I got some answers for you. We're going to talk about card slicers and we have a brand new figure debuting. So we got a lot to cover. Let's get into it. So to start off, let's talk about card slicers. We are fully funded. Uh, We did so in about 36 hours. That is pretty phenomenal. Uh, The next goal is at $7,500. We have exceeded $5,000. And at that next goal, we're going to introduce boss cards. Now, there's a bunch of great videos and literature about the addition of boss cards. This is an idea I came up with on the fly, and I troubleshot with you um, in a live stream. We sort of collectively figured out how these could work. So you can go watch the Twitch stream that shows these cards in action. This is a very, very fun play mode, and it sort of shifts the game from a player-versus-player battle to more of a JRPG or, uh, you know, something a little bit closer to the skirmishes you have when you're playing Dungeons & Dragons. Once we're at 7,500, we're only a hop, skip, and a jump away from our next major goal, which is 10,000, which unlocks the Harbor Noir expansion, and that includes the most toys and the mofo characters. The Harbor Noir expansion will also include animal artifact cards. This is a new, brand new spin that we're putting into this expansion set. So it's going to be really cool. Harley and Marley are also going to make an appearance in Harbor Noir. Um, It's going to add assassins and miscreants, 'er ne'er-do-wells. It's going to uh, take the gameplay into a very fun, very sort of, dare I say, noir uh, style of play. We are now in the sort of hardest part of the campaign, and that is really the middle. You know, your first couple days and your last couple days are when you do most of your business. So surviving the, the sort of landscape in between those bookends becomes very crucial. Um, there's this weird phenomenon on Kickstarter where there are bot accounts that sort of uh, they, they may not be bots, they might be sock puppet accounts or whatever the case, but uh, during the middle part, you have a lot of pledges that get cancelled. And it's not ever from people you know or names you recognize, it's just complete randoms who have never backed a campaign before. I'm not sure why these things are on this platform, likely to, to kind of inflate other people's campaigns, um, but it's... Uh, it can be particularly destructive if these sort of sock puppet accounts all cancel at the same time and then you're pushed back under your goal. So we need to keep a unified front here. We need to keep pulling in new people to check out the campaign and make sure that our daily averages are on the up and up so that they can cover these inevitable cancellations that happen from these sort of shell accounts. So that's something to be diligent about. My call to action for all of you is to share this campaign at some point this week on your Instagram, on Facebook, whatever it may be. Even if you aren't pledging, even if you're not backing us, just share a screen cap and share the link and let people know, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm not fully enmeshed and ingrained in a lot of the collectible card groups or uh, message boards for things like tabletop gaming. So I need to lean on you guys to help spread the word in those areas because I am new to card gaming as a designer and uh, 
you know, I think together we can kind of help get the appropriate amount of eyeballs on this campaign and project. So that is Card Slicers all wrapped up. Uh, briefly, I just want to remind everybody, July 16th at Happy Valley in Beacon, New York, is Toy Pizza Con Live. We're very much looking forward to this. We have a lot of great special guests. We have, officially, the legit O'Neill Design Glios crew coming down. We have Plunderlings setting up, and we got a lot of other independent vendors. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I just got confirmation. Thomas Jonte is going to be there in person. The man who has helped us so greatly on Discord and on Twitch, he will be there. So get your Jonte-related merchandise. You want to get it signed by this guy. He does make a lot of appearances. Uh, but it's going to be a really fun day. It's Saturday. The weather should be beautiful. There's a, a great outdoor area. So if you have concerns about communicable diseases, you can stick to the outside and you should be fine. Of course, I'd encourage people to wear masks. Zed Star 7 is performing. We actually booked those guys. Can you believe it? So it's going to be a lot of fun. Save the date. Uh, start making your plans. July 16th. Now, last piece of housekeeping. You're probably a member of Patreon.com slash Destasio, and that's great. That means you are going to get the ability to order early our newest figure. And this newest figure is a beautiful Frankenslice of everybody's favorite, Cray Drake. That's right. The Frankenslice from the previous week sold out quickly, but that was just a trial test for this official in-production Frankenslice. Uh, you're going to love it. This is kind of a... Man, I forget already what levels we applied to Cray previously, but this is like Cray at level 30, maybe. I, what did I say last time? I got to look it up now. Okay, so the last Cray Frankenstein was level 10. We're going to say this Cray is level 20. So he's leveling up even more. He's got a, a bit more experience points. And uh, I'm super excited for this figure. I want to do a lot of Crays, but I think this one is a logical next step. So, uh, possibly by the time you're listening to this, you already have the secret link to the secret store that only patrons get. And if you're hearing all this and it's making you jealous, you might want to hop into Patreon and you might want to take advantage of all these secret links and secret stores. By the way, action figure of the Millennia Club, all the previous months, those are available in the secret store as well. Most people don't know that. You're going to have to wait probably till the end of the year to get a public shot at some of these figures, but not for patrons. They get it all. I give them my entire lifeblood energy. So that's everything you guys need to know. You should be caught up to speed at this point. We're going to hop into questions. We got some great ones this week. To start off our questions, we're going to go to Discord to the top secret community you can only access as a patron. What is Discord? Discord is like a message board for the future. Very, very nice community. We have no trolls there. You can post your artwork. You can post your songs. It's a wonderful community. You can get it as uh, if you are a Patreon member. We're going to start with Robot Assassin. Can the factory do classic hot water slash cold water color changing gimmick in PVC? Um... Theoretically, yes. Now, when it comes to gimmick plastics, it's always a matter of cost and of minimums because they have to special order 
the additives that allow plastics to change color. And the minimums on those are extremely high. Uh, all of Glyos is a very small batch process, especially when you compare it to, uh, you know, any of the major toy production companies. They are running tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of figures. Uh, we are doing hundreds and low thousands. So a lot of those gimmicky plastics, uh, they command a high price and you need to order enough to do, let's say, five or 10,000 figures, right? So it becomes cost prohibitive for us to do a lot of those things. Now, we did sort of solar color change figures a while back, a few years ago. These were uh, kind of pearly white figures that in the sun became dark purple. And it was a great effect. But I was able to do that because I ran every single figure I had made at that point in the same plastic. And also, there were, I believe, a couple other Glyos makers that ordered the same plastic in unison so that we could sort of meet the minimum and there was enough to go around. Uh, people may remember those color change solar figures sat in the store for a long time. There were a couple styles that sold right out, but then there were a few that hung around for a very long time. Why? Because my minimums were really high. I had to run more than I was used to for... Uh, you know, a typical Night of the Slice release. While I maybe broke even overall on that project, having the figures still in stock and sitting there for a long time was very, very detrimental to the business at that point. So while I share your enthusiasm for the color change feature and would very much like to see it happen and would very much like to see it on Diver, um, it's gonna be challenging and the cost is really going to be the biggest prohibiting factor here. The other thing is, uh, I have not made my money back on Diver. I'm actually in the red when it comes to Diver. And because he's not landing for a couple more months, I'm not going to see a return on that investment until probably the fall, maybe the end of the year. So I am not in a position to spend extra money on a Diver or on any product at this point until I can kind of recoup the... Um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that's been invested so far. So, um, like I said, definitely a contender for something I'd like to do in the future, but there are very real sort of material conditions uh, preventing me from doing that as of today. Next up from our good friend Charlie Pope. Uh, I know you mentioned last week you wouldn't want to put an option in the store to do a custom night in any color because it would take away from the specialness. Afterwards, when Card Slicers went up on Kickstarter, I checked out the original Kickstarter you did as I was not around then. I saw there were a couple interesting tiers. One was where you could do a custom classic knight and get him as a one-of-a-kind toy and be in canon. There was also an all-metal version. Were these ever made? If so, are there pictures you have of them? Uh, you are correct. These were offered in our initial campaign, which would have been seven or eight years ago. Uh, the one-of-a-kind custom was not an actual production piece. That was going to be a hand-painted one-of-a-kind sample, which is relatively easy to do, assuming the, uh, you know, the end uh, customer doesn't have too complex of a design. The all-metal one was just going to be a sort of uh, casted, likely in pewter, uh, simple version of uh, the Classic Knight without articulation and things like that. Neither of those tiers sold. So the interest level was obviously not there. 
Uh, and no, these were not made. There's no photos that would exist of them. They were just sort of concepts that we offered up and, uh, you know, nobody, uh, nobody took the bait on. So they did not exist beyond a, uh, a simple idea. Next question from Two Deer. He's referencing uh, the sort of artwork that is um, my icon on Twitch. And every time I post that Twitch is live, you see this uh, artwork by the very talented Ian Amling. Apologies if this has been answered before. In the photo below of Sen, is there a reason he does not appear to have arms? Are they detachable? Or is this just an artistic interpretation? I love it, by the way. Just always been curious about it. Um, it's probably a better question for Ian, but I always interpreted this to be a bust shot. You know, in traditional art, sometimes characters are rendered as busts and they do not have their arms. Uh, you know, it is a sort of uh, idealized and romantic way to depict uh, a subject. So that is what I always read it as. Um, I, you know, if I am mistaken, I'm sure Ian will let us know. With all those Discord questions out of the way, we're going to hop over to the proper Patreon questions, and we're going to start in the Tomimoto zone with our friend Lance. I'm not sure if this was answered already, but what is your opinion about the Final Faction line from the dollar store? We don't have the stores that carry these items in Hawaii, but I've gotten some with help of online friends. Um, I love Final Faction. I, I'm crazy for it. The first wave did not really win me over. Um, you know, I think they were still sort of figuring out uh, a lot of the process, but these later waves three and four, they are fantastic. They are so much fun, especially the, the sort of diving character. Um, these are great. For those who don't know, Final Faction is a $1.25 toy line and it has vehicles. It has aliens. It has, uh, robots. It has mechs. It has a dog. And this is the best value you can get for your buck no question and they've done a wonderful job it is toyetic it is designed by people like me and people like us who just grew up in the 80s and 90s and who love action figures and as a kid that you know did not have a ton of disposable money and often was getting bootleg remco gi joes instead of regular remco uh, regular hasbro gi joes uh this really speaks to me and i think it's a fantastic line and uh, the fact that you can walk in with five or six bucks and walk out with a small battalion of figures, um, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Now, the line does have heavy, heavy symmetry to it. Um, you know, all of the characters are a perfect mirrored split. And look, the reality is this is designed with price point in mind. There are likely limitations for how long they're spending with each figure. In this case, I think it's relatively forgivable because the value is so tremendous. Uh, I would also say a lot of the accessories work really well with Knight of the Slice figures, especially Diver. I know um, you guys don't have your hands on Diver yet, but tons of the uh, guns and there's a little grappling hook. It all works wonderfully with Diver. So you're gonna wanna stock up on these uh, prior to his arrival. Next up from Brent Lawson, will there be a tier in your Kickstarter for card slicers where if it is reached, all cards will be foil and maybe a hologram? Um, you know, I, I don't want to make all the cards foil because I think that makes foil then inherently cheap, right? Um, I would much rather have there be special cards that are foil and those are differentiated from the rest of the deck. A good example is for cord, uh, sorry, coal axle cord, the sort of special 
Card Slicer's original figure. Um, his card, which everyone at that tier is getting, actually everybody in the campaign uh, who was in place prior to his to us funding, you're all getting that card for free, and that is a foil card. And that's special, right? That's one of a kind. So um, I really want to avoid making all of them the same thing. Now, the other question is a hologram. We have a hologram card. It's absolutely possible, and it's, it's very intriguing. Um, I think that a hologram card would be better suited as a random insert into the packs. And uh, I would have to reach out to Laser Boy Hollow and, you know, look into the feasibility of it. But it is something I should only, I'm only going to be able to do when there is a, a, a great surplus of cash within the campaign. Right now we're fully funded and I think we have our printing cover, our printing costs pretty much covered and the artist fees covered. But uh, we're not at a sort of break even point, right? The campaign has to be profitable as well. So uh, I think the best chance for either of those things to happen is for us to really put some gasoline on this fire and get this in excess of 10 grand, at which point I can start showering gifts and unlocks and special uh, cards to everybody who's back the campaign. So um, we're not quite in the area where there's a surplus and I can start strategizing on how to spend that. So I think our immediate focus is getting those numbers higher. Next question from Gabe Tovar. Have you heard of the Rock'em Sock'em Robots toy line from 2001 by Mattel? The line that involves part armor swapping gimmicks not the classic version with the red and blue boxing robots. I remember that being the first time I was introduced to part swapping outside of Lego growing up. I still have some left uh, with a ton of the metal wrenches they would be packed in with. I swear me and my cousins used to throw these like ninja stars and yes, they would leave bruises. It was a fun line. The molds had a ton of detail, but I also remember how some varied in quality, like having incredibly loose limbs where they couldn't even stand on their own. I don't see many people talking about this line nowadays. So uh, I definitely remember this line. I remember it being at retail, and I remember largely it was a pass for me. Um, in 2021, I was uh, sorry. In 20 in 2001, I was 21 years old. So I was already uh, struggling to pay rent in my own apartment and buying beer. Um, so I wasn't. I think at that point, the only thing I was interested in was. Um, 21st century ultimate soldier uh, 118th scale figures and there was also some uh, like G.I. Joe re-releases that were happening around that era and those were really the only lines I was buying and uh, frankly couldn't afford to be buying much at all so a lot of these sort of B and C grade toy lines completely escaped me at the time um, going back and, and just looking at some eBay auctions I agree with you. They, it, you know, looks really good. The detail um, is pretty interesting. The characters are pretty creative. Um, had this come out a few years prior, I think probably I, I would have picked them up and liked this quite a bit. But this does all remind me of, uh, you know, a property that I, I don't think gets its due and that is actually much better than you might think. And that is Real Steel, which is a movie I've really liked. And a toy line that was fantastic. 
Uh, not just the Jack's Pacific line, which had swappable limbs and really seems to owe quite a bit to Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but um, also uh, 3A did some incredible, incredible figures, and they're enormous. They're like 20 inches tall. They light up. Um, I still have one of them, I believe, and uh, they are really quite fantastic uh, figures. They're, they're marvels of modern engineering, honestly. Next question from Brett Barnacle. Any excitement for the new Kenobi premiere this weekend? I'm a product of the prequel generation, and I'm finding myself having more dread than joy when it comes to this Friday. Ben Kenobi is about as hollowed as a figure as it gets for me when it comes to a galaxy far, far away, and I'm sweating bullets that Disney doesn't do him dirty like every other legacy character they seem to touch. Um, I would say my excitement for the new Kenobi premiere this weekend is zero. I didn't even know it was premiering this weekend. Had no... Uh, uh, just uh, completely beyond what I'm paying attention to. Um, I haven't seen the trailer. I've seen a couple stills just floating through the internet. Uh, I I just don't have an appetite for anything Star Wars. Uh, maybe it's good. Maybe word of mouth will compel me to check out an episode. But um, I just I can't even <laughs> I can't even like muster ironic detachment for it. It's just uh, very unappealing, and, um, you know, I would much rather be doing something productive like hammering nails into my own feet. Everyone loves Ewan McGregor. I think he's great. Great actor. He will probably bring something to this. Um, I think also, did I hear that they're using Darth Vader in this? Is that true? If that's true, I think that sort of portends um, additional really bad choices. You know, I think of this all, it just reminds me of that phrase, the slow cancellation of the future. Uh, Mark Fisher, good author, you should read his work, but, um, you know, the sort of moment that we're living in is one that um, you cannot have expectations for anything new, right? It's just always going to be more of the same, more of the same. This week in particular, uh, it, it truly feels like we're stuck in a death loop. And we can do nothing to break ourselves out of this. And I think culture, and pop culture in particular, is a reflection of this. It's, it's all the same. It's deflated expectations. It's more rehashes, more warmed over things. Um, and so, you know, I find myself really just wanting to support independent artists and the risks and challenges that they're taking because there is sort of newness there. And, um, you know... I don't know what breaks us out of this cycle, but I know things like Moon Knight and things like uh, Kenobi, these to me just seem like, you know, mine carts on the track of this slow cancellation of the future. Next question from Sean Gordon. When will we see the continuation of Saima's story? Um, maybe never. She's dead. Uh, moving along, Red... Mega Merge started out as a Fallout GameStop exclusive before spreading out to the Target and Best Buy chains, expanding into My Hero Academia and Dark Souls series, and finally a third wave of future Fallout figures shown off at the Toy Pizza booth once upon a time. While the excess regular store stock has surfaced at chains like Five Below and Half Price Books, are there any secrets that can now be told of the final third Fallout wave and other things that may have been in the works at the time before the Mega Merge line folded? Um, you know, I am still bound by a non-disclosure agreement with my former client, Just Toys, so 
Um, I can't really peel back the curtain because it's not my project. It's not my stuff. It's not, those aren't my secrets to share. Um, I can say that the the things that did make it to store were only the tip of the iceberg as far as concepts and discussions and and even in some cases signed licensing deals that you know just never manifested product. Um, I would say we sort of put out maybe 20% of what the initial plan was and and the very lofty goals for what we wanted to do. Um, I, of course, exited the project prior to the final fallout wave and prior to My Hero Academia. Um, I had nothing to do with those, uh, that series, nor was I around towards the tail end of the Mega Mega Merge product. but I am, you know, extremely proud of what they were able to accomplish. I think it's a really good line. I think it brought a lot of people into Glios. Um, you know, I really wish we were able to do everything that we wanted to do in Dark Souls. There was a lot more um, concepts submitted. There was a lot more um, ideas out there. And also, there were a lot more figures for a lot more brands that we prototypes and either, you know, typically the thing that determined whether or not a video game line would get picked up in the mega merge was just the buyers and what kind of track record they had for those certain brands. We had a lot of obscure titles that I love a lot that we did actual prototypes for that um, buyers just weren't interested in. And uh, that's too bad because there were, it, it really could have been an enormously huge library of different video game characters in four inch scale. And I think that's, you know, a line that, that retail really could do well with. But, um, at the end of the day, I think buyers were pretty gun shy for this stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to sort of show everything that was planned or not, but it was, uh, it was pretty phenomenal. Ironically, I just touched base and had a conversation with one of my contacts at Just Toys about something completely different. And, um, you know, I I told them if they ever want to resurrect the line, I'm certainly interested. And, you know, I think the name has some cash with uh, people like us. And it could be a good launching pad for a really proper four-inch all-inclusive video game line. I I don't know how likely that is. I don't know how well-received that uh, suggestion was for them. But um, it was pretty extraordinary what we were able to accomplish. Getting Glios toys in those major retailers, um, that's a surreal thing. It doesn't happen for indie toys hardly ever. And, um, you know, I hope everybody appreciated them while they were out there. And still, like, I love those Fallout armors. I think they're fantastic. Uh, Diligent people can probably go and find some images of our decon booth where we did show off, I think, four or five of a uh, Fallout 76 line that never happened. Um, you know, it, it's a shame, but that's how these projects go. You you only ever really get out to the market a tiny fraction of the overall dream or vision for a line, and uh, this one is no exception. So, um, you know, fingers crossed it, it might live again someday. Next up from Ian Amling, do you have any resource or recommendations for joints that could be used on custom action figures? 
I have zero insights into this and any helps or links would be appreciated. Um, so I don't, I, I've only sort of tinkered with this stuff, but there is an entire subset of basic joints from Figma that people really seem to like and utilize. So you can just go to Figma's website and look up basic joint set. They have different colors, they have different sizes. Um, I haven't sort of been able to utilize open source joint sets in a way that like gives me any level of expertise. I've only tinkered with them, but that seems to be what most of the, uh, you know, the more professional makers are using. Also a lot of, um, not uh, designer con, like Superfest figures, uh, you know, these little resin kits of characters that would never happen any other way. Uh, over in Japan, a lot of them utilize these open joint systems, and I think it's, um, you know, it seems to be the customizer standard for these things. So uh, I posted the link under the question on Patreon, and uh, you can check them out there. All right, so that just about does it for today. A particularly short episode of Distazapod, but succinct and to the point. Truth is, I got a lot more work to do on the Card Slicers campaign, so I can't spend all day talking to you, unfortunately. Uh, there are cards that need to be designed and churned out. So I'm going to go do that for our outro music today. Of course, we're doing Z Star 7, but we're going to do something a little differently. We're going to go to the very first Z Star 7 track ever posted on SoundCloud Eight months ago, this was played live just by me with a Korg Wave Station, a Casio SK-1, and a couple loop pedals recorded live in one take, a very rough, unfinished, unmixed song, but the first one that I kind of put out there into the world. And uh, I think, you know, Z-Star 7 is by no means a producer of perfect songs, but I think you can see how far it's come in about a year's time. So enjoy this very early track called Never Going Home. Mm-hmm.